Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 1, and while you're doing that, um, I'm going to pray. If you can agree with my prayer, feel free to say amen. Lord, we, we love you. You've met us in our need. We were lost. We were wandering. Um, our hearts wanted nothing to do with you. And yet you broke through our rebellion and our sin and you dealt with all of it. And you have revealed yourself to us to be beautiful and strong and capable. And you've rescued us. So we, we gladly call you this morning our saviour. Lord, teach us and speak to us and comfort us this morning, we pray through your word. Amen. Amen. I had to prepare two sermons this week. Um, I'm going to give you both to you today. The first sermon was garbage, so it won't take very long. Um, the second sermon, I'll leave that up to you, but I'm hoping it's better I'm still not going to try and take that long. Um, Psalm 1. I asked you to go to, didn't I? All right. Let's do that one. By the way, both sermons come from Psalm 1. So that's handy because there you don't have to flick between too many places in your Bible. Let's read the, the psalm together. Um, God's word's always better than mine. So let's do that. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. Psalm 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. That's God's word. And it is alive, and it can do far more in your heart than I could in a hundred years. Here's why I say I had to prepare two sermons this week. I prepared a sermon on Psalm 1 for this morning, and it wasn't until uh, the second half of this week that I realized that I was going to preach this psalm, but it was not going to be good news. And this psalm is really good news, right? It's really good news. But the way that I was thinking about it, the way that I was feeling about it, I'd have to admit I was just probably looking at it in my flesh and doing what so much of us, so many of us, love to do in our flesh and that is 
find a way, a, a list of things to do. I, I want to I do something. Um, for those of you who know Jesus, who have believed the gospel, which is the good news of grace in Christ, that God has done something to rescue sinners and he's done that through Jesus, we love the gospel. God has done something. I couldn't do it. God did it. So let's, we love the gospel, right? We should. But then so often after we come to faith through the gospel and we continue on in our Christian life, all of a sudden we like lists of things to do. I know what my heart does. I want to know what to do. And I'm going to sort of, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to try harder in my Christian life. I'm going to be better in my Christian life. Maybe you don't feel like that. Maybe it's just me. And I read this psalm and I saw a a whole list of things to do. So don't put my first point up yet, Sandra, but let me tell you what my first point was going to be. My first point was going to be um, reach for the life that pleases God. That was my first point. The first part of this psalm, it's reach for the life that pleases God. I've only changed my title of that point by about one main word, really. Um, You see, when when I say reach, what I was thinking was, we need to do better. Chris, I need to do better. Reach for it, right? Strive for it. And, And maybe there's a certain way that I could talk about that, which isn't so bad, but I know deep in my heart my tendency is to sort of go, Chris, try harder. Be better, Chris. You know, lift your game, Chris. And I think as I was reflecting on this psalm and I was reflecting on how I was going to preach it, it sounded an awful lot like just adding weights to shoulders and saying, church, do better. Reach. Be better. But I've changed the... I've changed the point a little bit as I stopped and spent time in prayer and felt like I need to restart the whole thing again. And here's my first point now. Um, now you can put it up, Sandra. Thank you. You are, you are a champion. You sit back there, you have no idea what about what... I don't know what I'm about to say sometimes. So thank you, Sandra, for your service to us. Um, here it is. Respond to the life that pleases God. And maybe you're thinking, oh, it's just semantics, Chris. You're just playing around with words there. But I don't think I am. This is not about reaching. This is not about doing better. This is actually about saying, we all this morning have the privilege to live a life that God has entrusted to us in the gospel. And we have what I think the psalmist this morning is going to give us a roadmap forward in a way that we can simply respond to the grace of God. This morning, God is inviting you in to a lifestyle which is absolutely saturated with good news. And this is not about reaching this morning. This is not about living up to a standard. This is not about creating a list of things, getting to the end of the day and deciding, have I done 60% of them? Is that a passing mark with God? I don't know about you, when I was at school, the first thing I wanted to know when my teachers would say, in two weeks' time, we're going to have an exam. 
or in three weeks' time the assessment is due, my very next question was, what is the minimum passing mark? <laughs> Alright, it's been the scourge of my life. What's the least I can do and still get by? I'm lazy, right? Or the older I get, I change that term. It really is just laziness, but I just call it efficiency now. All right? I want to be efficient, which means I don't want to do any more work than I have to. Um, and maybe we can do that with God a bit. God, what's the minimum passing grade that I need in this life for to be okay? And, and, and this morning I'm going to say that that doesn't cut it. I'm having to learn that the hard way in my life. I want you to learn it earlier than I've had to, for those of you who are younger than me. This is not about reaching some minimum pass mark with God. This is about hearing his invitation to walk with him and us responding to it. Us hearing it and saying, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to walk in this garden that you've created for us. So this is about responding to the life that pleases God. Now, to do that, we're going to just reflect on a couple of things in this psalm. And then um, the first of those ways that we can respond is know when to say no. Right? Know when to say no. Again, this is not about reaching or this is not about ticking more things off on our list. This is about how do we respond to this invitation in the gospel to walk with God in a way that, in a way that pleases his heart, in a way that uh, emanates his message of grace to the world around us. How do we do that? Well, here's the first thing that this psalm tells us. Know when to say no. Have a look at verse 1 again. And I want you to notice, at least in the Christian Standard Bible, maybe I'll get a few um, people to yell out what word your translation uses if you're using ESV or NIV or whatever it is that you're reading. In Psalm 1, Christian Standard Bible says, How happy is the one? And then it goes on. I know that probably the ESV uses the word blessed there. Is that right? NIV does. NIV does as well. Anybody else got a different word to blessed? Who's got a... I've got happy in the Christian standard, blessed in the ESV, NIV. How... What, joy? Is that NLT? Or something like that? Doesn't matter. Is a Bible. Very good. Anybody got a different word to any of those? Enviable. Enviable. Yeah? Okay. How enviable. You get the idea of that? Happiness, blessing, joy, something that's enviable in this lifestyle that other people would look to and go, man, I want that life. Can you see? I missed that word when I first started preparing for this sermon. I, I probably in my mind started reading, we have a duty. We have a duty to live this type of way, Right? But that's not what the psalm says. The psalm's inviting us into a lifestyle of joy in response to God here. This is about your happiness, your blessing. 
a, a lifestyle that other people would look to and say, I want to li- live like that. So, so know when to say no. Verse 1, how happy is the one who does not. And straight away, the, the psalm is going to go into a negative side of the coin. Here's, here's something that we need to be aware of. Who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. And so I'm going to say one way, the first way that we need to respond to this invitation that we've received in the gospel to to walk in joy with our Savior is know when to say no. And there are three things that that verse tells us. It says, don't walk with the wicked. Don't stand with the sinners. Don't sit with the fools. I want you to notice the progression of action that takes place in that one verse. Walk, stand, sit. Those that you start to walk with, you'll eventually sit with. Those that you start to walk with, that'll become those that you want to stand with which becomes those that you want to sit with. This is a a warning for this life of enjoyment that we can have in God, that we need to pay careful attention to who are the influences in our life. Let me tell you what this verse is not saying. It is not saying build a commune. It's not. Guarantee it. It's not saying... Shore up the walls, close down the blinds, or be very careful of that naughty world out there. It's not saying that. It's not saying cut off all your friends who don't know Jesus because they might be a bad influence on you. It's not saying that. But it is saying be really careful who you walk with. Be really careful about who you sit with, who you stand with. Don't walk with the wicked. It actually says don't walk in the advice of the wicked, which which tells me that those who we walk with, we're turning our ear to. So when you've got something big going on in your life, I want to ask you the question, who, who is it that you turn to for advice? Who, who is your source of wisdom in this world? And maybe if you can answer that really easily, then I would say they're the people you're walking with. They're the people you're walking with. The people that you will turn your ear to for advice, for direction. Which way should I walk? And someone says, you should walk this way. Well, then they're the people that you're walking with, right? Don't stand in the pathway with sinners, verse 1 says. I, I remember um, going bushwalking when I was a bit younger. And as you're walking, 
you might come across another bushwalker. And even though your goal is to walk, it quite possibly, and for me it did happen a fair bit, you'd end up standing and having a chat. Right? Great chats. They might tell you a bit about what they saw or be careful of this or the pathway's blocked up ahead and you need to take that different direction or whatever it might be. And you stand and spend time. You'll slow down for these people to hear what they have to say. Maybe that's a helpful illustration, I hope. That's something that we do in life. Where are the places that you slow down in life? Who are the people that you slow down for? That you'll come to a stop in your busy life. We're all busy. It's a badge of honour in our society. If someone says, hey, how you been? We usually say, oh, we've been so busy. So we like to put that out there. We're busy. All right? But who are the people that you'll stop being busy for? Who are the people that you'll slow down for? Who are the people that you'll stand with? This psalm says, be very careful about who the people you will slow down for and stand with. Or sit in the company of mockers. There's another progression in that verse from uh, standing, uh, sorry, walking to standing to sitting. There's another progression. Wicked, sinners, mockers. The mockers are the ones who... We're all sinners. Everyone's, Everyone's dealing with their brokenness of our sinful humanity, right? If you come and hang out with me, you're going to hang out with a singer, sinner. All right? The difference is I'm a sinner saved by grace. Amen? I hope you are too. But a mocker, they're the ones who, when Jesus hung on the cross, didn't just walk by. The mockers were the ones, remember, who stopped and laughed and pointed their finger and jeered and said, he, he preached about saving others. Save yourself, Jesus, right? They're the ones who will take time to actually point their ridicule and point their hatred and, and point their disgust towards Jesus. And this psalm says, don't sit with people like that. So maybe we can think of Peter for a moment. Peter, who on the night before Jesus was crucified goes to stand at the fire and warm his hands with Jesus' accusers. And when questioned, I'm sure that you're with him, aren't you? You're a Galilean, I can hear it in your accent. I've seen you around, I'm pretty sure you're one of the people that were walking with that guy, Jesus, and... And Peter said, no way. I'm not with him. Who Peter, in that moment, decided to sit with, he he sat with the mockers. He sat with the jeerers. The ones who would say, we will not have this man reign over us, crucify him. 
But this is a gospel message, and there's good news even if you have found yourself sitting with mockers. Because even Peter was able to have breakfast with Jesus not too long later. And the very one that he denied, the very one that he sat with those who would mock and jeer and crucify, he would identify with that crowd and just say, these are my people. (laughs) We have such a grace of saviour who will sit down for breakfast on a beach and just say, hey Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. Do you love me, Peter? Do you really love me? Yes, I do. Do you love me? Jesus, you know all things. You know my heart. Say, okay, Peter, I've got a job for you to do. Peter's story was not done. Your story is not done. There's good news in this. There's a response that we make, and maybe it's something that we make right now, this morning. How do we respond to the life that pleases God? The first thing that we need to realize, know when to say no. No to those who you walk with, stand with, and sit with. Those who feed you. Know when to say no. All right, let's move on. But you also need to know when to say yes. You know when to say no, but you need to know when to say yes. What do we say yes to? Verse 2. Instead. All right, so don't be like this. The psalmist says, instead, verse 2, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams. We've got it written up here on the wall. That bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Know when to say yes. The very first thing we do is we say yes, verse 2 says, to God's word. It contrasts verse 1. Whose advice do I listen to when I walk with sinners? And now it's contrasting this. Instead, his delight, his joy... His treasure is in the Lord's instructions. I'm saying yes to God's word. I'm saying yes to saying God's voice, his revealed word, both in Christ and in the record of this message to us in the scriptures, is what I treasure. It's what I delight in. It's what I seek when I'm looking for life. And we say yes to God's word. We say yes to God's wisdom. He meditates on it day and night. A sense where we're saying, "This this is life to me. And again, like Peter, Jesus once preached a sermon... And I'm not sure that I've ever preached a sermon, actually, where people got up partway through and just went, this is not for me, and left. Maybe they did. Maybe they just told me that they had the kettle on at home or something. All right. Um, It happened to Jesus. Jesus preached a sermon outdoors 
heaps of people there. And he said some stuff that was really hard for them to hear. And so they left. The crowds left. And in fact, it said that some of his disciples, this is some of, some of the people who had said, we're going to follow you, Jesus, and we're going to base our life on everything that you had to say. And then Jesus said some stuff and they went, we're out. And they turned around and they left. And the crowd started to thin out. Some of Jesus' friends started to like back into the hedge. And off they went. And Jesus turned around to Peter and said, Peter, do you want to leave as well? Peter said, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's what I'm talking about. This is what this psalm's talking about. The sort of delight that we have in our heart to say, when God speaks, it's sometimes hard. It sometimes challenges me. In fact, the, the Bible says sometimes it's like a scalpel that cuts me. And it can be painful. But it's that response in my heart that says, even though all of that is true, where else would I go? God, you have the words of eternal life. This is where life is found. It's found in Christ. It's found in his word. Where else would I go? So we say yes to God's word. We say yes to God's wisdom. And we also say yes to God's will. I love, I love this. I wish my Christmas tree at home looked like that. Um, it is lovely. Thanks, girls, for putting it up at home. But, um, but I like this tree. Um, in some ways, I feel like it represents me. I'm not as sparkly as that, though. Um, lots, of, lots of times, I feel pretty, feel pretty barren. There's no green leaves on that tree. I'm not sure if you know the story of that. I think Kim was going for a walk down near the beach one day, and she'd been praying about doing a decoration for this Christmas season. And she had thought... I would love a a tree, like a real tree that we could put up in the church building. And she'd been praying about it, and she walked past one of her neighbours or some some people near where she was walking, and their tree had fallen over in in the yard, and they were about to cut it up with a chainsaw. And so she said, can I have your tree? And I said, yeah, sure, go for it. I'm sure Brett loved that idea as well. And Brett did a great job in disassembling the tree and then reassembling the tree back here again. It's an old tree that had just fallen over. But to me, it, it's a description of what we're looking at here in this psalm. And that's why we have that Psalm 1 verse 3 on the wall. Often my life feels a little bit like this, where I feel like I don't have much to show. I feel like, like a bit of a, a stark old tree with my leaves a bit withered and gone. But there's something special about this tree. It has fruit on it. God's God's doing something in the life of this tree and he's producing fruit through it. And read verse 3. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. There's a wisdom that God offers in this life for those who are rooted in him. It's not, us, not about us saying we need to push out more fruit. This is the fruit that God gives when our roots are into him. All right? 
Next year, we're going to do a whole season, a series of teachings through that sort of famous Galatians passage about the fruits of the Spirit. It's not like we have to wake up each day and just think, all right, I need to be more joyful today. I'm going to try to be more joyful. I'm going to work really hard. Here are the 10 things I'm going to do to be more joyful. Really, it's about putting our roots down into Jesus. And you know what's going to spring out? Joy. I don't have to try and push that joy out. I don't have to sweat and strain and groan to try and make sure joy comes out. It's put my roots down into Jesus and you'll find joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Long-suffering. We need that, don't we? The list continues. This is the sort of fruit that happens in Psalm 1. A tree planted beside flowing streams. The seasons change. Summer comes. Total fire bands come into place. But that tree has its roots down into flowing streams. And God produces fruit in them. So we say yes to that sort of, that's the will of God for us. All right, so we respond to the life that pleases God by saying, I know when to say no, and I know when to say yes. But this psalm continues. We're just going to take the last three verses in one go. And it's, if we are responding in the first half, of this psalm, the psalmist is now saying there are some things that we actually need to run from. We run from the life that displeases God. Let's read them again just to refresh our memory. Verse 4, 5, and 6. The wicked are not like this, okay? So the psalm shifts in the halfway point. It's been describing a person who is responding to the grace of God in their life in what they're saying yes to, what they're saying no to. And verse 4 says, but the wicked are not like that. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Three things that I want you to notice about that, and then we're done. Verse 4, right? Stay away from the useless life. Stay away from the useless life. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. I'm not sure if you know what chaff is, or chaff, or chafe, or however you want to describe it, chaff. If you grow some type of grain crop, like wheat, or barley, or something that would have been common in these days as well, the useful part of that seed is on the inside and to get that useful part out let's say wheat so that we can grind it and refine it and turn it into bread or a cake or something else that we're going to use that flour for to do that we have to do something to the seed that's harvested it has to be crushed and broken 
and it separates the outer shell from the inner useful part, and that outer shell is chaff, and, and it's useless. Well, it certainly was in, in the era this was written in. We, we don't eat it. It's not useful for us. And so it was discarded. And maybe you've seen old footage of old harvesting techniques where the crushed grain would go into a big basket and you'd see people there standing on the hillside throwing it into the air. The chaff is really light and the grain is heavy. And as they'd throw it into the air, the wind would catch the chaff and it would just blow the chaff away and separate and the grain would fall back down. They'd just keep doing that until all that was left in the basket was grain. That's the bit that was useful. No one went around and gathered up the chaff and said, oh, great, we can make a beautiful loaf with this. And it was just, they just left for the wind to blow that away. It was useless. And here in verse 4, God likens the wicked to chaff. It's a useless life when your life is committed to wickedness. It has no sense of great purpose or use in this world. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. So stay away from that useless life. Run from that. The second thing, stay away from a senseless life. Verse 5, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. There is no sense to living a life where we will have to one day face God and we will not be able to stand before him. There's no sense to that. I love the fact that you reminded us this morning. It's not just this life that we've got right now. We're living for eternity, right? We are brothers and sisters for eternity. Amen to that. There's no sense in thinking that all of life's existence is going to stop when we hit the grave. Because there's much more that's going to happen after that. In fact, the Bible says this life that we've got on earth right now, we're better off thinking about that as just the... A brief morning vapour, a fog that just burns away before the rest of the day comes in. Just a small moment in all of eternity. And yet we invest so much into the now. God says there's no sense in doing that. In fact, the wicked only think about now. They don't think about eternity. So run from that type of life. Run from that sense of short-sightedness. That only now matters. It doesn't only matter. There's a whole eternity in front of every single one of us that matters a lot. Third thing, stay away from the hopeless life. Verse 6, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. That's a hopeless life. A life without a sense of hope at the end. So the psalmist this morning is inviting us to respond to this grace that God has given us. To respond to this life of walking with our Savior. To walking with our God. He says, know what to say no to. Know what to say yes to. And run. Run from that useless and senseless and hopeless existence that we have outside of God where that should just we should be saying I don't want that in my life at all 
I'm responding this morning to the invitation to walk with a sense of joy in my, in my Savior. So there's Psalm 1. I'm really glad to have this tree here, reminding of that all this Christmas. These verses on the wall. The first sermon that I prepared was about saying, Do better, Chris. Try harder, Chris. But that's not what this psalm is about at all. This psalm is about saying, Chris, hear the invitation of God this morning to walk with him, to find your joy in him. And think carefully, Chris. I'm going to say, think carefully, church. Who we walk with, who we stand with, who we sit with, where do we look for joy? Where do we look for satisfaction? Do we see the now as all that's important? Or will you hear the invitation of God and lift your eyes and see all that is inviting you into in this life and beyond? If that's something you'd like to talk more about with uh, me or anybody in this church that you know, then I invite you to do so this morning. That invitation is ongoing. Please, lift up your eyes. You have a wonderful saviour. True blessing. True blessing comes through obeying and delighting in the word of God. Not just this word of God, but the living word of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And as John was able to write in his gospel, we have beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten. You were the word from the beginning. You are the word, the living word of God. And we want to find our delight and our joy in you. We've heard your invitation to walk with you, to stand with you, to sit with you this morning. Lord, encourage us, enable us, help us to say no to the right things, say yes to you and to walk with you in joy. We thank you in your own name. Amen.